You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Starting the year with a series, Happy, because we do want you to be happier in 2017. We believe that joy is necessary for you to thrive. In fact, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. As you get closer to God, as you grow closer to God, one of the things that happen in you that's a result of your relationship with God is joy. So, yes, we want you to have a happy new year. Um, Last week, we talked about trials and tests, things that come at you unexpectedly. We talked about how to go through those times in life, those moments in life. But this week, this week I want to talk to you about something that you have very much control over. And it's something that we don't tend to think as a source of happiness. Few of us naturally look at it and think that's, that's the way to have a happier life. I want to talk to you today about intentional sacrifice, being intentional about your sacrifice. Now, we are designed in such a way, we were made in such a way, created in such a way that real happiness, real joy exists in the same realm of purpose and meaning. You cannot have one without the other. When you tap into your purpose, when you tap into uh, uh, what you were designed to do, when your life has meaning, joy and happiness exists within that realm. And so that's how we were made. Now, a lot of research has been done on the science of happiness in the past 20 years. Researchers, psychologists, scientists have been researching on the science, the elements that can bring us happiness. And there's a few things, there's a few misconceptions that we have as a culture that we believe and we work for and we strive to attain that we think can fulfill our need for happiness can fulfill our or can fill up our joy tank. But those have been found scientifically to be a misconception. Um, there was one study that was done by Stanford University. It was, it was a study done on the psychology of happiness by Stanford University where they, were, they looked at elements or, or parts of life that contribute to someone's happiness. They discovered that the three elements that most of us think that influence our happiness or can, can bring us happiness actually do not, not to the same extent that we think. The three elements are looks. Everybody wants to look good. And most people think that by looking better, you will increase your happiness level significantly. The second element is relationship status. A lot of people think that if they find the right person, they will then be happy. That, that they're not as happy as they could be because they don't have a person making them happy. And we've talked about this here before, but that's bogus. If you're not happy, nobody else can carry that burden of making you happy. Now, people can add to your happiness, but uh, they cannot make you happy. That's, that's unfair. Uh, and the third element is money, income. And so they discovered that, that in their research, they studied several people, and they discovered that those three elements that we tend to believe as a culture that will actually bring you happiness only 
affect or can only account for 10% of an individual's enduring level of happiness. 10%. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that you're not going to care about your relationship status? You're not going to care about your relationships? Does that mean that you're just going to throw caution into the wind and, and let go of your financial plans? And does that mean that you're just not going to care how you look because it only accounts for 10% of your level of happiness? No. Those things are still important for your well-being. But I do want to encourage you today to pay attention because if we're planning to have an enduring level of happiness, enduring joy in 2017, I want you to pay attention that you don't apply all of your efforts, all of your energy, all of your plans to pursue something that can only fill you up 10% of your level of happiness. That you're not going to a well to draw water that can only fill 10% of your joy tank. You know, obviously, we want you to prosper. We believe that God wants you to do well, to move forward, to, to get ahead. But there is something about living life differently where, yes, you're pursuing those goals. But there you expand your life to go beyond what culture tells us that will bring us happiness and actually tap into what we believe and what has been shown to be true in the scriptures, which is a life that gives a life that is interactive with God and others in a way that can bring us enduring, enduring happiness. Now, like I said, most of us do not look at, at sacrifice and think, oh, joy. We don't look at intentional sacrifice and think, that's happiness. But the author that wrote Hebrews uh, said this in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Scripture says this, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now notice this. Jesus himself, when he was about to endure the cross, he did it because of the joy that was set before him. That sacrifice was intentional. It was intentional because of the joy that was uh, attached to it, the joy that it would bring. Now, I want to encourage you today to make decisions in 2017, to live your life in such a, in such a way that you are guided by joy, that you are pursuing joy, not because you don't have it, but you're pursuing the joy that is set before you. You know it's yours. Now, it might take some sacrifice. It might take you enduring some momentary pain, making some sacrifices. Now, in the Old Testament, there's a very interesting story in the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a, is, was a, a person in the Old Testament that he wrote this account of his life. He wrote in the first person is one of the few books in the Old Testament that has uh, uh, an account in the first person. And he begins this, this story with a meeting. He's having a meeting with his brother. Now, Nehemiah was an official in, in the Persian kingdom. He served the king of Persia as a cupbearer. That was a very important position back in those days. So it, we assume by the, the, the account that he had lost contact with Jerusalem. He didn't know how things were going. And the people of, of Israel were in exile at that time. So he's meeting his brother in the capital city, and he asks for a report of how things are going back home. And this is what his brother tells him. 
uh, Nehemiah 1.3, it says, And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. Now, Nehemiah could have heard that report. Things are bad at home, man. People were suffering, and they burned down the city, and they destroyed everything. And he could have said, my God, I'm blessed. Thank you, God, that you, that you saved me from that destruction, and I have a good job. He could have listened to the report and thought, God has blessed me so amazingly. I'm so favored. But he didn't. If you hear the story, immediately he felt sorrowful. He was he was weeping. He was sad. He was deeply affected. And he began to pray and strategize. He prayed to God that God would give him favor with the king, the man he served, the king of Persia. Now, it took him realizing this, that he was in a position, not a position where God saved him from destruction, but he was probably one of the only people on earth that had the access and that had the resources to make a difference and to go back and to revive people's hearts and to revive their strength. And that was his vision. That was his heart. He decided that he was going to go back and revive the people and bring strength back to the people of Jerusalem. And he strategized in a way that he decided that the best thing to do, the first thing they had to do is to rebuild the walls. Now, this is another great message, but I'm not going to get into what that means, the rebuilding the walls. But he, he figured out that the first step they had to do, to focus in that one thing, to rebuild the wall. Now, guess what? Obviously, it was going to take a lot of sacrifice because kingdoms around it, people in power, did not want to see that. There is a reason why they destroyed Jerusalem, and there is a reason why they had made efforts to make sure that they stayed that way. Now, when Nehemiah marched to get to Jerusalem, and when he got to Jerusalem, he pulled the people together, he shared his vision with them, and they began the work. Now, it took sacrifice, intentional sacrifice. It took them courage because they were being threatened. They had a lot of opposition. But in 52 days, under Nehemiah's leadership, the walls were up. And he was able to gather all the people. And a beautiful thing happened that day, something that we quote until today. It was an amazing accomplishment. He got about 50,000 people together inside the walls, and they began to read the book of the law. People began to remember their identity. They began to gain back their sense of belonging. They began to hear God's promises for their lives. They began to hear why they existed and why they were there. And as they began to hear that, Nehemiah said this. Once they were done listening, he said this. Go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine, and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For, his, for this day is holy to the, our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, if you've been a Christian for a little while, you've probably heard that last portion quoted. The joy of the Lord is our strength. 
Nehemiah had that in his heart. He knew that he needed to get people to joy. He knew that he needed to get people to joy in order for them to be strong. Now, for him, for that people, for those people, because of where they were, the path to joy was paved with intentional sacrifice. And for some of you here, you might be in a situation where for you to get to enduring joy, for you to get to enduring happiness in your life, you might have to make some sacrifices. You might have to be intentional about the kind of sacrifices that you need to make. And I want to encourage you today. This is a challenging message, but I want to encourage you to make intentional sacrifices for others. Make intentional sacrifices toward God and make intentional sacrifices toward yourself. It is very important that we live a kind of life where we are not just seeking comfort. We're not just seeking to be well for ourselves, but we're looking at the joy that's set before us. And we're deciding that we're going to get to it. We're going to get people to it, even though it might take some sacrifice. Now, Scripture says in Hebrews 13, 16 this, Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. You will discover a kind of lasting joy, a kind of happiness that will stay with you when you begin to do something for others. Now, I, I understand that a lot of us here, we, we do that already. But I want you to think about things that you can make a decision for this year that will bring enduring joy, not just for yourself, but for others. That involve, it may involve your time. It may involve your resources. It may involve something that you need to invest into someone else. It might be something simple like plowing the driveway of your neighbor who's sick or, you know, help somebody with a simple task. Or it might be you taking someone who's younger and having uh, time invested so you can mentor them through a process of growth. You might take more of your time. Now, sometimes when we think about this concept of helping others, we can go far. We can think about the people suffering in Africa, which is great. You can think about, not that they're suffering, but it's great to think about it and, and reach out to them. Uh, you, can, you can be willing to go on a mission trip uh, and put a well in a remote village in Africa. You can be willing to sponsor a child in South America who does not have the means. And that's all good. That's wonderful. And you should do that. But sometimes it's easier for us to do that than to look at a loved one and say, I'm sorry. I apologize. It was my fault. Sometimes it's easier for us to make investments that are far away than to get to someone we know and say, you know what? I'm going to have to sacrifice my ego for this one. But for the sake of the joy that's set before me, I'm going to make this sacrifice. I might need to sacrifice some of my personal interests, some of my time. I might need to sacrifice some of my own ambitions. But for the sake of the joy set before me, I'm going to do that and make this sacrifice and invest into this person. Especially those close to us. Think about your family members, your parents, people that need you, people that might need from you. Think about those moments that you will face in 2017 that you might have faced in the past where you might feel like you're too busy to reach out and help. But I want to encourage you to do that. Make the sacrifice and make those investments because they will be lasting and you will not regret it. 
Second thing I want to say is this, when it comes to sacrifices toward others, right? Some of you, you lived a whole year in 2016 going for those three elements, believing that if you improved in relationships, if you improved in, in income, or if you improved in your looks, your joy tank, your happiness was going to be full. But you found out by the end of the year that it wasn't so. And if you are here today and you're thinking, unless I'm making more money at the end of the year, this year will not be a success. You might be thinking, unless my relationship status improves by the end of the year, this year won't be a success. I want to encourage you today to look at intentional sacrifices toward others. And for some of you, it might be as simple as engaging with what God is doing right here at Connect Community. Now, it's, this, is, this might be my sound... Uh, uh, surprising to you, but when, when we moved here, I met with a few local pastors, and they were great people, amazing people who, uh, most of them have been here for years, decades, plowing the ground, and, and a lot of them were tired, tired of the ministry, tired of the region, and they warned me with several warnings, and one of the warnings was this, people here are too busy, they said, people here are too busy for church, they're just too busy, their lives are too busy. And it's going to be hard for you not only to get people to come on Sundays, it's going to be hard for you to find people to volunteer. It's probably going to take you a little while for you to get there. Somebody told me it might take you seven years to launch this church. Just get it off the ground. And I was like, I don't receive that. I don't receive that. But you know what? We have a team of over 40 volunteers in this church. Over 40 people. They give, yeah, you can clap for that. Over 40 people. And we've only been... We've only been active for two years. And if you know our story, this has been a, it started with coffees and, and meetings that are in our living room. And now we're here every Sunday uh, continuing with connect groups. And, but this happened because those 40 plus people realize this, that when you pour your life into what God is doing, when we give of your, of your time, of your effort, of your resources, when you get together with people who are doing something that's bigger than themselves. Even though it might cost you, it might cost you your, your sleep-in time on Sunday mornings. It might cost you some evenings when you host connect groups. It might cost you some of your time and resources. It brings a kind of joy that nothing else can replace. Now, I've only been a lead pastor, senior pastor for about two years since we started this church. But I've been in ministry enough to see this happen over and over and over and over again in people's lives. And for some of you, this might be the answer that you need. You might need to use your talents to invest in, in kids, invest in those young minds and lead them into a life of character, a life of love, a life of giving. It might be that you, a simple, a simple greeting to people who come through those doors, giving them your joy, giving them a handshake and wishing them a great week might be the thing that will put you into that place of lasting joy. Second thing that I mentioned is making intentional sacrifices toward God. And this, this many times involves spiritual disciplines. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while, you'll probably have a couple disciplines that you practice constantly. But if you have not, I want to encourage you to really start. Take the beginning of the year right now. It still counts as the beginning of the year, okay? And decide that you're going to begin to practice certain disciplines that will get you closer to God. And if you don't have spiritual disciplines in your life yet, 
that you're consistent with, I encourage you to start with prayer. We're starting 21 days of prayer, and this is a great way for you to begin that consistency of prayer. I encourage you to take 15 minutes a day where you are in community with God. It's just you and God. And you're reading scriptures, and you're praying, you're offering him your life, and you're getting closer to God. Because this is what scriptures say happens when you pray. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, what happens when you do that? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Some of you, you spent most of your 2016 worried, anxious, not knowing what to do with the problems that were handed to you, not knowing what to do with the challenges that you faced. Let me encourage you to pray. Because something happens when you pray. It's like your anxieties and your worries, when you give them to God, it's a beautiful exchange. He gives you peace. It doesn't mean that you're not going to face challenges, but it means that you will have a kind of mind, a presence of mind in peace to look at those challenges, not under the pressure of worry and anxiety, but you will be able to look at those challenges with a clear mind in peace because your hearts and minds will be guarded in Christ Jesus. And the last thing I want to encourage you with is to make intentional sacrifices to better yourself. Now, here's my challenge. I do believe that you can be happier in 2017. That you can move forward in your finances and the things that you want to see improve. That you can move forward in your relationships and all those things that you want to see improve in your lives. But it may take some intentional sacrifice for you to get to that lasting happiness, that lasting joy. And there's a scripture in 1 Peter 2.11 that says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions, from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Now, here's my challenge to you for you to pay attention this year. Each one of us, we have a capacity within us. Every single person here and every single person you know. We have a capacity within us to do things that can harm our soul. To do things that can harm even our best intentions. To cause us to move away and step away from what we know we're supposed to do. Now, scriptures call it the passions of the flesh. All, everything that we spoke about will make yourself better. But there's a, there's a way to live a life where some of those things that might be constantly attacking you, some of those things that you feel you have no control over, maybe it's anger, maybe it's, it's offense, maybe there are things that you carry in you that you wish you didn't. God wants you to live in a way that your soul will be nurtured, that you will live well, not a way where you feel like there's a war against your soul on the inside. And I just want to encourage you to lean in to God. Make those sacrifices to get closer to Him. And as you are intentional about it, 
you will see joy begin to flourish. You will see his life begin to flourish. And if you've been on this path, and if you've been feeling like some of these seeds that you have have brought you to tears maybe, you know, this will happen. There are certain intentional sacrifices that you will make this year that will cause you sorrow. There's a promise for you, though, found in Psalms 126. This is the last scripture I'm going to share with you today. And this is a promise for you. Those who plant in tears will harvest with shouts of joy. They weep as they go to plant their seed, but they sing as they return with the harvest. Your intentional sacrifice of faith, your intentional sacrifice are like seeds. And some of you, your resolutions for this year, your plans are like those seeds. And maybe they will be sown in tears. But here's the promise for you. You will harvest in joy every single time.